So I have to say that I think I could kind of get used to this whole preaching in your jammies thing, you know, at least with this going on. That's just kind of fun. Pretty exciting stuff. So uh, we're going to have a little fun this morning getting started. I mentioned last week when we were together that there was something I wanted to do, a little game that I wanted to play. And at the time, as we said earlier, we're still figuring all this out. And we appreciate your patience with us as we figure all this out and everybody else is too. So all the churches in America are trying to figure out how to live stream and do all this. So great to have, be able to have the words on the screen, and also now we can play the game that I said I wanted to play last time, and the game is called Lamentations or Taylor Swift. So we're actually going to do that today, so you're going to play along at home, okay? So if you're watching with somebody else, just turn to the other person and, or other people, and you can give your answers and see who wins at the end, and feel free to send us a message in and let us know who wins. Here's the first one. This is either a quote from a Taylor Swift song, or... It is a quote from the, um, the message, which is a, a Bible paraphrase in the book of Lamentations. Here's the first one. She cries herself to sleep at night, tears soaking her pillow. Which one is it? The answer is, that's Lamentations 1-2. I have to tell you, I would have missed that one. I thought that sounded like Taylor Swift to me. Here's the second one. My eyes are blind with tears, my stomach in a knot. Taylor Swift or Lamentations? Which one is it? The answer is Lamentations 2.11. You doing good? You getting them right? Here's the third one. This yearning in the deepest part of my heart for you. Is that a quote from Lamentations or is that a Taylor Swift song? The answer is Taylor Swift ain't nothing about you. All right, there's the next one. I'll never forget the trouble the poison I've swallowed. Which one of those two is it? Here's your answer. Lamentations 3.19 is the answer to that one. All right, just a few more. I'm aching, nowhere to hide. Was that Jeremiah writing Lamentations or was that Taylor Swift singing a song? And the answer is, it's Taylor Swift from the last time. All right, two more. All we are is skin and bone. Which one of those two is it? Your answer? Taylor Swift from Treacherous. And then one last quote here. But there's one thing I remember so I can keep a grip on hope. Where does that come from? The answer is Lamentations 3.21. Who knew there were so many similarities between Taylor Swift lyrics and the book of Lamentations. I, you know, I hope that gave you a little bit of a chuckle this morning. It certainly did me when I looked through some of those. Uh, but here's the reminder, just a little aside for us here this morning. Keep your sense of humor, especially right now, you know, as we're all stressed out about a whole bunch of different stuff. Let me just encourage you, continue to laugh often. In fact, in Proverbs, in Proverbs 17, 22, it reminds us, that laughter is a good, or a joyful heart is a good medicine. Uh, it says, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So keep your sense of humor. However, that does not mean that we ignore uh, pain. It doesn't mean that we don't deal with difficulty. And so as we continue on in our study in the book of Lamentations, and we have one more week to wrap it up next week, today what I want to talk about is how do we deal with things when we're angry, and maybe even specifically when you're angry with God. When things are hurting, um, you know, how do you deal with that? And what I want to encourage you in is that you don't hold it in. 
You don't bottle it up. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, what happens when you bottle it up on the inside. Either it eats you, literally starts to eat your insides uh, and, and can destroy you from the inside out. Or it just bottles all up and then just comes out in one massive explosion that sends shrapnel everywhere, damaging people all around you. Neither one of those are, are good options. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to find a healthy way to let it out, even if you're angry with God. Do you hear me on that? Even if you're upset with God, to, to let that out and to communicate that. Now, I've said that twice, and so far, there hasn't been a lightning bolt that has come through and struck me dead on the spot for saying that you can express it if you're angry with God, right? Sometimes we feel that way. But what I see in Scripture is people, and, and it's not just in the book of Lamentations, it's other places too, where they, they communicate to God what their grievances are, what it is that they're wrestling with. And so Lamentations chapter 2 is where I want us to turn our attention today and read the first six verses of Lamentations 2. How the Lord has covered daughter Zion with the cloud of His anger. He has hurled down the splendor of Israel from heaven to earth. He has not remembered His footstool in the day of His anger. Without pity, the Lord has swallowed up all the dwellings of Jacob. In His wrath, He has torn down the strongholds of daughter Judah. He has brought her kingdom and its princes down to the ground in dishonor. In his fierce anger, he has cut off every horn of Israel. He has withdrawn his right hand at the approach of the enemy. He has burned in Jacob like a flaming fire that consumes everything around it. Like an enemy has strung his bow, his right hand is ready. Like a foe, he has slain all who were pleasing to the eye. He poured out his wrath like fire on the tent of, tent of daughter Zion. The Lord is like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all her palaces and destroyed her strongholds. He has multiplied mourning and lamentation for daughter Judah. He has laid waste his dwelling like a garden. He has destroyed his place of meeting. The Lord has made Zion forget her appointed festivals and her Sabbaths. In his fierce anger, he has spurned both king and priest. Man, that, that's a lot, right? And it's, by the way, that's not the end. You continue reading in chapter 2, and he goes on further. He doesn't hold back this feeling, and, and, and it's always he, what God has done, and he's communicating this. And, and just look, for example, at some of the things he says. Verse 1, it says that God has covered Zion with the cloud of his anger. You know, in the past in Scripture, the cloud of God symbolized the presence and, and the, the guidance of God and the protection of God. I think about when the Israelites were being led out of Egypt, being led out of bondage, and it says in Exodus 13, 21, that the cloud by day and then this pillar of fire by night went ahead of them to guide them on their way. And then you get into the next chapter in chapter 14, when the Egyptians are pursuing them. And listen to what it says in Exodus 14, verses 19 and 20. It says, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of the cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night long. So you see what's happening there, right? The, the cloud of God is providing protection for His people. Now, what we see in Lamentations is the author saying the cloud of God is actually what's bringing destruction to the people. And so he's upset about it. Verse 2, he says that God has shown no pity 
I mean, he is just absolutely relentless in his judgment, and he's, he's, he's bringing drastic measures against his people. Verse 3, he has cut off every horn of Israel. A horn was symbolic of power. I mean, if you think about it, even today in the animal kingdom, for example, if you have a group of particular animals, the one with the biggest horns tends to be the most dominant because they are the most powerful. And in the, the Bible, a horn was symbolic of power. Think about how the people of God were so powerful. You, you get into when God was leading through Joshua after they came out of Egypt and they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness because of their unfaithfulness. But then they get their act together and God is leading them to, uh, to victory and the people are terrified. All these countries are terrified of the people of God and they knew you don't want to mess with the people of God because the power of God was with them. And now all of a sudden the power of God has been taken away from them. And they've been made subject to a pagan country and they, they have no ability to protect themselves. Verse 4. It says that God is actually firing arrows at His people. See, this is taking it to the next level. God, not only have you removed your protection from us, you are the one firing arrows at us now. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like, man, God is just, you know, He's just sending His arrows my way. And that leads into verse 5. It says, God has become like an enemy. I mean, my goodness, these are strong words here, powerful words. We know from the rest of Scripture that's not true, that God wants to bless and protect His people, but at this particular time, they felt like God had become their enemy because they're experiencing God's wrath that came on them due to their sin. In fact, so much so that at the end of verse 5, it says, He has multiplied mourning and lamentation. And then in verse 6, it says that God has inflicted so much pain on His people that they have forgotten their Sabbath, they have forgotten their feast. In other words, they can't even remember what it was like to have the type of relationship with God where they were celebrating God's goodness, where they were able to worship freely. And maybe, maybe you've experienced that yourself. Maybe you're experiencing that right now. You're in so much pain. It just, you're such a difficult place in your life that it's hard to even remember what it was like to have that type of closeness and intimacy with God. If that's how you're feeling, it's important to get it out. And so that leads me to the first of the, the main ideas I want to share with you today. And that is to admit your anger with God. If you're feeling it, admit it. Just put it out there. I mean, that's the first step toward healing is acknowledging. There's a reason why any type of, and I know there are a lot of different 12-step type groups. We have a, a, a ministry called Regeneration here at the church. It's a similar type of thing. But most of those types of, of groups or ministries encourage people to, to say, my name is and I'm whatever. You fill in the blank, right? This is what I struggle with because acknowledging that and getting it out there is important. The same is true if you're struggling with disappointment with God or just flat out anger toward God. It's important to acknowledge that, admit that, uh, and, and not just try to, try to hide it. Now, some of us have trouble doing that because of our theology, right? We, we understand from Scripture that God is sovereign, that God is in control. We know that God is good and, and those kinds of things. And so theologically we get it. And so it makes it difficult to admit if we're upset with God because it just doesn't seem to, to jive with what we know about God. But here's the thing, even if that's true, and it is, a, it is important, by the way, to have a strong theology and understand the reality of God's character. We'll get into that more in a minute. But if we're feeling it, might as well admit it. Even if we know from what we read in Scripture, it's still good to say, this is where I, I, I am right now, God, and this is, this is what I'm feeling. The great thing about the book of Lamentations is 
that it, it gives us the freedom to do that. And it's not just Lamentations, it's through Psalms, it's through Job, it's through many different places in Scripture where you see that, that we have the freedom to admit that we're struggling with or angry toward God. And that leads me to the second step, which is real closely tied to that, and that is not only to admit it, but to express your anger toward God. Now there again, some of us are like, wait just a minute, is that lightning bolt going to come now? If we're talking about if I'm upset with God, I can actually express that to Him? Well, that's what I see in Lamentations 2. And that's what I see elsewhere in Scripture. Uh, God knows if we are, are, are feeling certain things, so why not communicate those things? In fact, I would argue that we ought to practice the same principle that we practice biblically when we have a problem or upset with another person. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 tells us that if a brother or sister offends us, that we should go to that person just between the two of us and, and attempt to make it right. And by the way, just a little, another little aside here, very few people actually do that. Most of us, rather than going and talking to the person, we want to talk to someone else about that person. What we should do if we have an issue or a problem is to address it. And when you do that, have you ever actually done that and found out that a big part of the issue that you're experiencing was maybe a misunderstanding or it was maybe a, a, a misjudged uh, intention or whatever it may be? And you know, certainly the same would apply and us going to God and communicating those things to God. Here's a little spoiler alert. God doesn't do anything wrong. And so it really is a matter of us maybe having a change of perspective or us uh, kind of understanding from a different, different viewpoint what's going on. But we still need to do that. We still need to take those things and we see this happening here in Scripture uh, is that they're, they're just going directly to God. Uh, you know, sometimes we just don't understand why things happen, and, and we may not ever understand why things happen, but I think when we feel that way, it's important to express it. Uh, maybe you can relate to what a mom said. This was a mom who um, had a child with trisomy 18 and gave birth to this child that didn't live long at all afterwards, and this was her comment after that. She said, it's hard to believe that God loves you when he takes away someone that you love. You ever felt like that? It's hard for me to feel right now like God loves me when, and you fill in the blank, whatever it is, whatever tragedy it is, whatever difficulty, whatever pain you're experiencing, sometimes it's hard to feel it, even though we know it to be true. Why not express that? God, I'm struggling to, to, to feel that you love me based on this. And, and, and be certainly we need to be open to God helping us understand and shift our understanding and our, and our uh, way of thinking about that. But I do think it's important to get it out there and to go ahead and express those things because when those emotions build up inside, that's not a, good, not a good thing and it will not lead us to a good place. It's better for us to go ahead and deal with it. So tell God how you're feeling. If you're feeling distant, talk to Him about it. Be honest about it and, and rather than, than stuffing it inside. And if you'll do that, that will help you to practice the third step and that is to guard against bitterness. See, the, the more we just stuff things inside or perhaps even try to ignore it and try to pretend like it's not really there, the more likely it is that it's going to build up into this, this bitterness. And this is true, by the way, not just in our relationship with God. This is true of anybody. If you're stuffing stuff inside and not dealing with it, not getting it out, uh, it's likely to, to turn into something nasty. You know, it's kind of like what happens when we don't deal with it. It's kind of like what happens when, I, uh, when you leave something alone, you leave food alone for a little while. Let me just tell you something. I had to get something out of my daughter's car the other day. 
And I found a container, an old container of like mac and cheese from like two weeks ago or something like that. It had just been left in the car. Y'all, there was stuff growing on this thing. I, I, the CDC couldn't identify it. It was nasty because when stuff is left alone like that, it just grows and all kinds of gross stuff gets all over it. I'm telling you right now, that's what happens inside when we leave anger unchecked. When we don't do anything about it, it just, you know, mold and gross gunk grows all over it. And, and that's why I say it can eat us alive from the inside out. And that's why the scripture is so clear about us in Ephesians 4 when it talks about uh, being angry but not sinning. And then the next thing it says after that is not let the sun go down uh, on your anger. Do not give the devil a foothold. We need to deal with those things as soon as we possibly can. And then you get down into verse 31 of Ephesians 4 and, and we're told that we are instructed to get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Those things are closely tied to one another. If we don't get rid of that rage and that anger, it often will turn into bitterness, and so we need to deal with it. My encouragement to you is if you're angry with God, if you're angry with somebody else, deal with it as quickly as you possibly can. It's important not to let that sit inside and turn into bitterness because here's the, the, the truth. Bitterness, nobody wants to deal with bitterness. Have you ever eaten something like a bitter herb? and you eat it, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do if you eat something bitter. Your face is going to go something like that, right? It, it, you can't help it. It's not that you're trying to do that or that you want to do that. It's just, ugh. You know, bitter, is, it just doesn't taste good. It's not good. And the same thing is true when we are you know, experiencing bitterness. Sometimes maybe we don't realize what it's doing to us. But here's the other reality. Nobody wants to be around someone who's bitter either. And, and that bitterness just tends to cause us to pull back and react in a similar way to eating something bitter. It's, it's not a good thing, so we need to deal with it. Here's one last thing that I want to encourage you to do, and this is how we can go about um, dealing with any type of anger we might have toward God, and that is to trust God's sovereignty. Trust God's sovereignty. Again, that, this is one that's much easier said than none, and I realize that. But we need to have a clear understanding of who God is and of the fact that, that God is still in control. And you guys realize this, right? While we are in full-blown panic because we're worried about getting sick, some of us are losing jobs, we're going through financial difficulty, we're having to come up with a plan B for what to do when we run out of toilet paper, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff we're dealing with right now, right? It's, it's easier said than done, but we need to remind ourselves, none of this is taking God by surprise. Did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurs to God? Nothing occurs to God. He knows it already. He is completely in control. He is completely sovereign. And yet He has a perspective on things that we don't always have. The best way I can try to wrap my mind around it, and I know this is a feeble effort to do so, but I think of it in terms like this. As a parent, if you're a parent or you're a grandparent, have you ever had a situation where you knew something, uh, you had a perspective on things that your child didn't have, and your child wanted something from you and really wanted it, 
but you knew something more that gave you a perspective that made you realize it is not a good thing for me to grant this request at this time. And the child just feels like, you don't love me, you don't care about me, you know, you want to ruin my life. But you understand, no, I'm really doing this for your own good. I'm doing this because I love you. See, that's, that's difficult, right? It's frustrating when not everybody has the same perspective. Well, as children of God, I'm telling you right now, you and I, we don't have the perspective God has. And there are things that God is doing even through the painful situations that we go through. And by the way, I'm convinced that God is doing something significant right now through all this coronavirus stuff. We don't know exactly what it is, but I'm convinced He's doing something significant. We don't always know the big picture, but God does. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 reminds us of that. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now here's what I take away from those verses. That God sees things on a whole other level. God has a perspective that we don't have. He sees things that we don't see. We're reminded of that also, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. It tells us, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall, shall know fully, even as I am fully known. I get frustrated sometimes because I don't see the whole big picture. I only see dimly as in a mirror. And, and being the recovering control freak that I am, I want to know and I want to be able to control it now, right? Can you relate? We don't see it all. We don't know it all. But that's a good thing because that can cause us to take a step back, maybe just take a breath and realize God's sovereign. God's in control. He knows what He's doing. Um, you know, I said earlier that it's important for us to express our anger toward God. It is important for us to get those things out, but here's the, the caveat to that. We need to get those things out, but still have an understanding of not losing perspective of God's goodness. Not losing perspective that even though I'm going through this difficulty, God is still in control. And I, I mentioned Job earlier. You know, the difference between Job and Lamentations, the people in Lamentations are getting what their sins deserved. This was God's wrath poured out on them. Job experienced way um, just awful kinds of things, not because of anything he had done. In fact, we're told he was a righteous man. However, when Job began to question God's goodness, I'm not just talking about expressing, but actually questioning God, this was God's response, Job 40, verses 6 and 7. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. I'm going to tell you right now, if God starts a conversation with brace yourself like a man, it's probably not going to go well. I don't really want to have that conversation. But we need to, to, to learn sometimes. If God needs to correct us like that, He will. I don't think the issue is that Job was expressing frustration. That's really not the issue. The issue is that we cross a line when we begin to accuse God of things that are not true of Him. When we begin to say, you have wronged me in such a way, um, that's when the problem comes. But you know what God would much rather do? God will correct us where we need to be corrected. Here's what He would much rather do. Last thought and last verse for you. Back to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations 3, verse 32. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. You see, though God may bring grief, though things may happen in our lives, he is there ready to show compassion. 
He's ready to love us through it. But if you ever tried to show compassion or if you ever tried to love someone and it wasn't received because that person had put walls up and they were just unwilling to receive it. You can't force someone to receive love and compassion. And in the same way, God won't force us to receive it either. I wonder if you've built up some walls in your life that are keeping you from experiencing God's love and God's compassion that He wants to extend to you. And if so, my, my urging to you today is to let those walls down, to receive what God wants to give you. Maybe for you that looks like receiving that by um, accepting Christ into your life. Maybe it looks like it by saying, I, I need a fresh commitment of my relationship with God. Whatever it is that you, that, that you need to do to drop those walls, I want to encourage you to do it. And I want to pray together, and I'm going to give you a next step that you can take right after that. But let's pray. Father, I do want to ask today that you would give us the ability to, when we're struggling with you, to be honest about it, but God, also to receive your compassion and your love that you want to give us. I pray for walls to be brought down now. And Lord, that, that we would have hearts that are willing to receive you. Maybe for the first time or Lord, maybe in a fresh way. Just help us to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you, if God is leading you in some type of next step, maybe that next step is to invite Christ into your life. Maybe it's to say, I need to, to take a step of believer's baptism. I need to find a way to get connected. Whatever that is, we're going to put the, the number back up on the screen for you again that we put up earlier. And you can still, by the way, use those keywords if you're a guest. It's not too late. Please text in the word guest to that same number. Text in the word prayer to share your prayer request to that same number. But if there's some way that you believe God wants you to respond in faith today, I want to encourage you to use the word response. Text that word response and it'll just send you back a simple little form that says, you know, check one of these boxes. What is God doing in your life? And we'd like to know how we can pray with you, how we can encourage you, and how we can follow up with you. So please do that. Go ahead and do that uh, even now. And, uh, and we'll look forward to hearing from you.